0: Everybody, everybody, everybody. Drop your Buffs. stop <makes car noise> <laughs> your your Drop your butt. <collective noise> Welcome back to drop your buffs. I'm Sean Ross.
1: <laughs> I'm Evan Ross Katz.
0: And we are talking episode four of season 41, They Hate Me Because They Aint Me, Mm. a quote from Sydney, which we'll get into. Uh, Evan, what did you think of this episode?
1: Mm, Why don't you go first?
0: Wow. (laughs) I'm surprised with the hesitation. I'm really high on this episode. Hmm. I think this was one of the like great pre-merge episodes of modern survivor, especially coming out of the episode last week, which I thought was borderline abysmal watching people read advantages for half of the episode. I think we got everything that we were asking for. We got camp life. We got to look at Luvu. We got some Heather content. Uh, I just thought that we got a, kind of a surprising vote and and events leading up to that vote. Uh, I thought it was a really, really well-told story and had all the things I love about Survivor in it.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, definitely for, especially in contrast to last week, where we were like, you know, talking about advantages and idols and whatnot. And then even, you know, them going off and getting in this boat after a challenge. This was a very pure episode of Survivor. So it definitely was a nice return to form. But again, looking at it just like structurally, it's just the choice to, to have three episodes in which there is, three, you know, cast members taken off for an advantage, but then in the fourth episode, not. And then in the scenes for next week, we're still not getting any tribe swap or merge from the looks of it. I'm just, it's interesting to see how this is all shaking out. I think that I had a more negative response to the episode after finishing it. And then my friend Johnny texted me and was like, that was such a good episode, and I'm one of those people where it's like my opinion can be very malleable, especially right after the fact. So Mm. I, in watching it, I didn't quite love it just because there wasn't a ton of like nuance to the storytelling that was at play, you know, like for instance, the camp life, which I'm sure we'll get into. I feel like we're, I've seen these stories before, but maybe that's inevitable on the 41st season of a television series. But I definitely feel like this is the kind of episode that I could go back again and, and, feel more favorably about
0: okay okay well let's get into it so we start out with some fallout from brad's vote off at ua uh we see Jeannie stumbling her way into camp and she's pissed uh she's pissed that she's on the outs again you know the first uh, vote she voted for ricard she was the sole vote for ricard this time she was the sole vote for jd and she's over it and she's telling her tribe that she's not gonna take care of them anymore. She's not gonna do the cooking. She's not gonna be tending to the fire. They can take care of themselves. Uh, and they have this big blow up at camp. What did you think of this exchange?
1: I mean, I understand where Jeannie's frustration is coming from in the sense that when you have a three tribe situation and you're down to only four, her back really is against the wall. Like there are people that are just never going to work with you, you know? like. Shan Mm -hmm. and JD clearly have a thing going. Um, Shan Shan and Ricard clearly have a thing going. I just, there's no world in which Jeannie, I think she's a smart person enough to realize, there's no world in which she worms her way in because it's not a matter of earning one person's affection, it's a matter of earning two. And so I understand, it's like your back's up against the wall, What do you have to sort of like, you know, throw out there besides the dice, which doesn't come into play until tribal and that can be, Hey, I'm going to make camp life miserable for you. Is it like the most mature action to take? No, but I can certainly understand where it's coming from. And especially to be in a situation, you know, on episode four in which you're completely backed into a corner without options, without the hope of, well, maybe a swap is coming, uh that doesn't seem like it's going to happen. So there really isn't something that's going to work in her favor unless she finds an idol.
0: Yeah, yeah. I really liked this exchange because it felt, although we've seen this in recent years, it did feel kind of old school to me. It was very sort of like taking the vote personally and then acting out in a, in a camp life way to say like, you guys can fend for yourself then. I'm over it. Uh, so I thought the whole exchange was very sort of refreshingly genuine. It didn't look like a lot of people were uh, playing strategy here. It was it was very personal, and I eat that stuff up. I loved seeing, you know, like Mama Shan step in and say, like, I'm going to squash this right now, Jeannie. What you didn't know is that Brad had uh, not just the beware advantage idol, but he also had a steal a vote that he never mm. told you about, which I thought was really interesting because I had assumed Brad would have told Jeannie about that. And so Shan just kind of like exposed Brad to the whole tribe because also, of course, then JD didn't know about Brad's advantages and he's caught out by this. And then he's mad at Shan and asks for his extra vote back from Shan in this moment. So it was sort of like, uh, I liked seeing Shan stumble a little bit here. It felt like she revealed Brad's uh, steal of vote advantage as a means of sort of you know, calming down Jeannie and bringing her back into the fold. And yet what happened was it put JD out of the fold Mm. and, and, and had him asking for the advantage back. So I just thought the dynamics were really, really interesting. This is like, you know, a lot of people describe their tribes as a dysfunctional family, but I feel like this is truly a dysfunctional family where you've got like Shannon Ricard as mom and dad and JD is their son. And, Jeannie is, like, the grandma that's living with them. That's yeah. sort of hard to get along with.
1: Yeah, and it became evident, especially for that Tribal. I'm not jumping ahead at all, but just, like, in terms of, you know, like, every season there's sort of an episode at which you start to feel like the... Tribal like alignment falls into place as far as like people knowing who they are in not in the sense of like the work the work of tribal in the sense of like the family of, of a tribe mm-hmm. and yeah it definitely felt like in this episode not only uh, for Ua but also for Yasa uh, you definitely got the vibe of like these people have. They, they know each other by now. They know, each, they know the ins and outs of each other. Not like, you know, back to front, but you could just... I got the sense of like the early jitters from episode one of like, oh my God, we're playing Survivor have faded in a good way. And it feels... Uh, everyone feels a bit more relaxed and sort of being... Playing the game of Survivor versus being a person on a reality show that's excited to play the game that they grew up loving, you know? Because that energy, I think, can sometimes the fan in people can come off as fanish instead of actual, like, you know, the big leagues that you're in. And this felt mm-hmm. like the big leagues. Yeah.
0: Hey, did you notice in JD's confessional here that there was a butterfly flying around?
1: I did, but I was, I wanted him to acknowledge it.
0: I know, I know like a very uh what was it in season one i think greg is mid-confessional he goes oh like look at what is it a dolphin something uh-huh. was something was swimming and he's like or a fish you, oh a fish yeah i well, thought he would acknowledge it was so in your face right but what was interesting to me about this is that i didn't know whether or not there were butterflies on this island and getting back to xander's beware advantage clue which talks about butterflies being dead relatives saying hi well here's the opening obviously there's butterflies here so like that's where Xander should have gone there's butterflies at camp and like Whatever. I just thought that was interesting.
1: Also, it reminds me of uh, in Edge of Extinction when there's the chickens that are literally running through the confessionals, Mm, the chickens that Wendy has let free. In both of those instances, (laughs) or even like thinking about the elephant in Gabon, uh, it's like you want this, like you have this moment. I mean, obviously I know a butterfly and an elephant are not exactly the same thing, but it's one (laughs) of those moments that it's like reminds you of just another element of what makes Survivor unique, which is like when you're hearing these confessionals, these are not real housewives style like in their homes. They are literally in nature you know as they film this and i sort of like that reminder whether it's a giant elephant moving through the screen or even a little butterfly
0: yeah so we get a surprise reward challenge our first reward challenge of the season the tribes go in They, they it doesn't seem like they know it's a reward challenge they seem pretty surprised when jeff tells them like welcome to your first reward challenge The winner of the reward challenge is going to receive uh, a visit to their camp by a local expert who will show them how to live off the land. And then the second place, I thought was really funny, gets a fish, one fish. And it's like quite a fish. It looks like that fish, like, do you remember? uh, (laughs) This is so stupid. Do you remember that plaque? It was like Billy Bass and he would sing. (laughs) Yeah. And it would kind of like flop a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the second place wins Billy Bass. Uh, The reward challenge is, it's actually a very Australian survivor reward challenge. It's an Australian survivor favorite where uh, players throw balls into a track and then race through an obstacle course to catch it on the other end. And then they have to land all their balls on a perch at the end of the challenge. So, you know, there's not a whole lot to say about Yasa and Ua in here. They do perfectly well. Uh, Ua wins the reward and Yasa comes in second and wins the fish. I do think one thing we could say briefly, though, about Yasa is
1: that we do get to see in this episode, in both both uh, the reward and the immunity, Tiffany really stepping yes. up as a challenge competitor. Challenge um, beast, yeah, Tiffany. Yeah, and also, like, owning that power, because I think there was a little bit of bravada from her in the previous episodes that was sort of like, well, wait a minute, like... Where, you know, is this founded? And in this episode, she really did come through, and particularly in this challenge. And also, it was just like, there was something about the ease with which she did it, where it wasn't like one of those, oh my God, can you believe Tiffany was able to do it? It was like, no, Tiffany did it just like everybody else. She's a competitor. Yeah,
0: there is a split second there where she catches her ball at the end of the track where she has this like surprised look on her face. And I was like, yes, you go, Tiffany. Felt so proud of her there. Uh, But the big story from the reward challenge is actually uh, LuVu's failure, their first challenge loss. And it is put squarely on Heather, who is unable to ever catch her ball in the first leg of the challenge. So she can't get past this first leg. And it's like presented in, it's sort of her Sari moment, sort of her Tiffany moment from earlier this season, where it is not presented as you are such an epic failure, you suck. It is presented as an inspirational moment. And yet, unlike the Ceree and Tiffany moments, she never actually completes the portion that she is working on. And so I felt it was a little bit of a mixed message. I mean, look, I love getting Heather. I, I thought it was like a very emotional moment for Heather. It was very vulnerable, despite the fact that I don't know that we have that much investment in her because we don't know who she is at this point. This is the first time she's been on the show. Uh, But, you know, like, I'm conflicted on this. I'm conflicted about how I feel about this because on one hand, I really felt for her. I did think that it was a genuine moment of vulnerability, seeing her break down after the challenge, seeing her tribe rally around her and support her, even seeing the other tribes support her. Tiffany even gave her some words of support. Uh, At the end of the challenge. But on the other hand, it was like Jeff's heavy handedness with her loss, I felt was a little too much. I mean, Jeff was like, the reason I've been doing this for 21 years is because I just love to watch people fail like you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. How did you feel about this?
1: I had a really, really hard time with this. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. She didn't complete the challenge. There's nothing. I found it weird that they were trying to frame this similarly to the Suri instance that you mentioned in Game Changers, in which everybody waits as Suri, you know, the challenge itself is over, but part of my takeaway from like sort of like the larger theme of a game like Survivor is it's not about how you play the game, but it's about how you, you know, the finish, right? Like you need to, you don't need to win, but you need to finish is a big rule on Survivor. And I just thought it was odd. A couple things. Why did they put her first in the challenge? It's pretty easy to recognize that the other ones would probably be better at um, basketball, which is like essentially this challenge is shooting hoops, you know? Um, So having her first made it such that they wouldn't have been able to get that narrative of like, Heather, we'll wait while you finish us off because no one got a chance to go on their try because they put Heather first, which I thought was odd. Um, But yeah, I just thought it was odd that they wouldn't have had everybody wait until she gets a basket to sort of close out the moment, especially I found it a little condescending Uh, I know Heather didn't receive it this way, but to have everybody else being like, you know, clapping for her. And it's like, what are we clapping for here? Because I'm not, I mean, and maybe I'm just being cruel here, but she didn't do anything. And Mm -hmm. the fact that the, so I guess the argument is well, she didn't, she didn't give up. Right. But there's a world, the whole, the whole thing of not giving up is that you don't give up so that eventually. You do succeed, and I'm not saying mm-hmm. that's always the end goal because there are insurmountable odds at times. I think this is something she could have completed. I think this was really, worth. I don't
0: know that. I don't know that she could have done it. You
1: think because of the running? Because they're running through the.
0: Uh yeah, I think a little bit of everything. I mean, you can see in the background of shots from this challenge the blue ball flying all over the course. Mm-hmm. Like even when they're not showing her, you can see how badly she's doing just throwing the ball so the few moments we get where she does land the ball on the track I think are probably the only moments she actually landed the ball and then every time she went to run through the course either she had thrown the ball with too much force and it landed already halfway down the track and so she just couldn't have caught it even if she was the best runner Uh, but then every time she did run through the track it was like there was an obstacle course in the track which was made of ropes and there were ropes sort of like at neck level and at foot mm-hmm. level and every time she focused on either or she never thought to like bend, bend down and run which was the trick to the challenge she would just run and then get like clotheslined by the neck one or she would like bend down and not pay attention to her feet I don't think she has some people just don't have coordination as somebody who's like you know not great with <laughs> coordination and like sports in general I can sympathize with her and I just think that like and and as you start to fail that many times I think you start to get into your head more and more about it and I just don't see her I think she could have done that all day long and not completed the challenge.
1: So then I hear that. I guess my question then is, this is unique then, right? Very seldom do we have a challenge in which everyone must do something in order to complete it. It's usually like two people will do through the rope course, two people are there at the puzzle, and then you can sort of delegate. But I guess I've seen very few instances in which it's like, one member of a tribe simply cannot complete, I'm sure it's happened before, I'm not saying it's unprecedented, mm-hmm. but it's just a rare thing to have happen. But again, in terms of the ordering, I feel like putting Heather at the top was really sabotaging it because it put the failure all around her versus, well, they, you know, at least they could have been in the game for a while and then fallen out, so then to what you're saying, I don't have a solution here then. I guess what I would have shifted then, because if she can't do it, she can't do it, right? We can't we can't hold that against her. I feel like then what I would have maybe liked less of is sort of like the, the, the moment that was created not by the tribe mates, but sort of like Jeff and the music and everything of sort mm-hmm. of making this like a very treacly moment where it's like, I think this is one of those moments where it's like, kind of, you, you don't win them all, and that's that on that. And we go back and everything will be okay. But I don't think it needed the framework of the Suri moment because if she can't complete it, she can't complete it. But in order to celebrate a moment like that, I do think you need that Surrey moment of like after the fact, or even like, maybe this is condescending as I suggest this, but maybe someone on the other end, get her to get the ball into the shoot and then have someone at the other end grab it and pass it off to her as she runs through. I don't know. It, it, it was like from, you know, thinking about this like a movie, it just was really lacking a button.
0: Yeah. I hear you. I think to me it came off as a heavy handed way of survivor exploring their gender problem. Uh, you know, they're either very obviously taking a concerted effort to, Uh, re-examine the way that women are treated by survivor and by jeff probst i think we saw that in uh, tiffany's challenge moment when she was trying to cross the beam a couple episodes ago and jeff was encouraging her instead of berating her and i feel like they were going for the same thing here they just haven't quite figured it out because it's okay it's you know it's great to encourage the women instead of you know berate them or encourage anybody who's weaker Uh, instead of berate them. But it's also okay to say you sucked on that. Right.
1: I also, to your point, I wonder how this challenge would have played out differently had Tiffany also really had a difficult time with it and Mm. having the two older women failing at a challenge, how that would have looked optically because I think that we got this great narrative, as we mentioned, of Tiffany being a beast in this challenge. But I think that would have not been great to witness. And so I'm glad that there was, because we are afforded so much more diversity this season, specifically when it comes to race and ethnicity, but also like we just have a lot more older people than some of these casts, like, you know, your brains versus bronze versus beauty, where it's literally just like 20 something pin up models. So I like that there's like you can have an older woman. And again, I want to say older can mean a lot of things and older is not a pejorative in any sense. But When you have two older women, one of whom completely succeeded, one of whom did not. I think that the other difficult thing with the Heather of it all is because she has been so absent in the first three episodes, the fact that when we do get her, it's this epic failure. Depending on your perspective, I think it was a failure. Maybe people see it differently. but, But the fact that it is this moment is kind of... Difficult because, again, to compare it to the Sari moment, we as an audience care so much for Sari that we have a vested interest in watching her finish this challenge as much as her tribe mates, as much as the cast. I mean, let's be honest. The whole cast is rooting for Sari in that moment. Whereas it's not that... I'm not rooting for Heather in any sense, but I just don't really know Heather enough to Mm -hmm. know the emotional stakes of this. And you know, now that you mention it, it's like, you're right. Maybe there, there was no way she could have done this. And everyone was really encouraging. Maybe this played out in the best way it could have played out, but it just left me wanting. But I also want to recognize if she can't finish, she can't finish. And that can't be something that's held against her. And I also appreciate her tribe for, it seems like genuinely, saying to her, like, this doesn't matter. We can't win them all. Mm -hmm. And it's not about you. No one's mad at you. This is a life lesson.
0: Yeah. I think what I'm going to say is redundant because I think we've covered it. But I think that had we gotten Heather content prior to this moment, for example, if we had that secret scene that we love to talk about where Heather made up a dream about Sydney uh, in order to put a target on Sydney's back, we would be far more invested in Heather's failure in this moment because it makes her more vulnerable. It makes her like a very easy first boot from her tribe, potentially. Um, But if we were invested in her because we liked that she was targeting Sydney in a unique Shambo-esque way, uh, then we would care more about her failure and we would, uh, we would you know sympathize with her a lot more but at this point if we're just looking at the television show what aired on tv uh, because that's what the majority of people are watching uh, heather kind of is just portrayed all that uh, although this was a s- sort of a heroic moment for her in the edit it's portrayed as she is just an older woman who can't do anything right yeah. So
1: I did yeah. think it was nice to get a little bit of character building from Danny in that moment because I felt mm-hmm. like of all of the tribe members to really console her, the one I found the most resonant was Danny and like genuine. And it's yeah. interesting because we're not getting, I mean, yes, we're getting a little bit of camp life and dynamics with them, but I am curious. I had my eye on Sydney during Heather's sort of breakdown to Me sort too. of see because it did seem like Sydney had a level of empathy, but her body language was also a little bit. <laughs> like a little bit more reserved than the rest of them. Yeah. And interestingly, when, um, was it not Danny? Um, I'm trying to think, uh, Deshaun? uh yeah, excuse me. Yeah. When Deshaun went to Sydney later to say that Erica was talking shit, Sydney's first guess was Heather. Second guess was this year. So it's interesting that I do think there's a world in which Heather, I'm curious about the Heather Sydney dynamic, and then whether or not does Heather think that she's on the bottom of this tribe, and if so, what is she doing something to actively circumvent that that we're not seeing?
0: Impossible to know, right? And that's that's the trouble. That's that's the storytelling uh, failure that that Survivor has experienced this season is not showing us enough Luvu. Understandably, they have not gone to tribal, but we truly don't fully understand the dynamics you know later we do see the louvu camp and the entire tribe is out fishing and in the boat and playing in the water and heather's sitting on a log at camp sort of like sulking Uh, and so that's that's the best indication of that we have of where heather fits into this tribe and so it's not looking great for her but but without some actual content and dialogue involving heather at camp, we can never really know that. So hopefully in the future, we're gonna get some more Heather. uh, Fingers crossed. You know, it was an endearing moment for Heather, I will say that, Um, and I I do really hope that we can see her in a a more positive light. Agreed.
1: Can I point out one other thing about the reward, narratively, that kind of bothered me, was Mm -hmm. you got this moment with Yasa, who came in second place back at camp, where they were kind of doing this whole like, Yasa is turning things around, and it's like we're on episode four. You came in yeah. second place on a reward, and there was yeah. just this big effort to sort of like talk about how Survivor's a game of momentum, and once you get a little bit of momentum, everything can change, which is completely correct. I totally get it, but like second place in a reward, I don't know if it's that grand of a moment. I think it's definitely like a shift away from the losing streak, so I get it, but there seemed to just be it seems to be setting something up about sort of like almost yeah. like wanting to establish that like, this is a four that is like going to rise up. Um, and so I just was like, that felt a little narratively unearned.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. I have to say, I, I, I think this is going to be like, I think people are going to be divided on the previously on survivor segment over at the Yasa camp. So it's like they get back from reward and, and Evie is doing uh, a Jeff Probst impression doing a previously on Survivor, but then Survivor edits in a previously on Survivor all about Yasa with you know the, the epic shots of previous uh, challenge losses and things like that. I really liked that. I really like when Survivor is self-referential. I've always loved when we get players doing impersonations of Jeff. You know, there's the Love. hilarious Rob Sesternino one in All-Stars. Uh, We have Courtney in China doing the impression of Jeff. Uh, I just, I really love when the players are self-referential and this felt uh, very genuine and I thought that the editors had a lot of fun with it. uh, And I like seeing this kind of experimentation on the show. I thought it was cute. But what I really loved from that segment was just like watching Tiffany. Tiffany is just, she's a star. A star is born, we've said it before. I think her holding the fish the whole time. If you wa- if you rewatch that scene, she's just holding the fish the whole time. And she's like, you know, if there's anything that's going to motivate me, it's food. And it's just, it's just a fish. I mean, it's a big fish, but it's just a fish. And there's this really funny moment. It lasts a millisecond uh, where <laughs> Tiffany is holding the fish and she turns around and shows the camera and makes eye contact with the camera, oh which is very rare. And I feel like they discourage, but yeah. it's like a very, you know, the office or like a veep moment and i just i just love tiffany more and more with every episode that goes by
1: what i am craving though from a tribe like that is because we kind of have been xanderless for a beat Um, Mm -hmm. I kind of want to understand more of the tribal dynamics there, because where we left things off was that it seemed like we were in a 3-1 situation, um, especially with Xander being unable to vote, but I'm sure Xander recognizes that and is trying to worm his way out of that, so I'm curious what conversations are being had, who Xander is pitching himself to, if anyone, like, yes, obviously they're in a good place right now, they're on the upswing, as the edit will tell you, but I'm just curious, again, it's like, I'm always curious about what people's plans are, even if they don't come to... fruition even if they don't need to come to fruition I think it's a good thing I I wish we got more of just getting a sense especially early on of like where people's strategic minds are at even if they're not necessarily things that they need to put into action just to know sort of like how hard are they playing does Xander have a plan does Heather
0: have a plan yeah yeah I see that's interesting. You say that you read it as a three one because I think there's actually a couple things going on. I think the Yasa camp is the most interesting one in terms of the dynamics right now because I think that in my mind, Evie and Xander both see it as a four nothing. They see themselves as four strong, and if they went to tribal, it's bad news because they don't know what to do. Whereas I think Liana sees it as a three one, where it's Evie, Liana, Tiffany versus Xander. And I think Tiffany sees the same three, one. And so I think there's differing perspectives in that alliance that are going to be really interesting if they ever mm. do go to tribal. Uh, but I think that if the four of them went into a merge for strong, they could stay together to the end.
1: That's interesting.
0: So it will be interesting to see. You know, I think we got a little, a little sneak peek of... Uh, maybe that dynamic playing out next week when someone's going through Xander's bag and Tiffany wants Xander out. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I echo wanting to dig deeper into that and I think hopefully we will. So over at the UA camp, uh, we see them get a visit from Nathan who, <laughs> you know, Nathan sort of outshone a lot of the, uh, a lot of the players on the season as a a potential star of Survivor 41. Nathan was uh, the expert sent to UA to show them how to live off the land. As Jeannie put it, uh, it was like watching the greatest Cirque du Soleil and stripper routine you've ever seen as he's sliding down the coconut tree and getting coconuts and he's showing them how to fish and cook. To me, it seemed like, okay, look, Nathan is a very charismatic person. Uh, he reminded me of some other visitors. Like he reminded me of, uh, remember Vanuatu when the women's tribe got a visit from, uh, a, a local expert. Yes. No. Yes. Yeah, I do. Yes. Uh, yeah. Very much reminded me of that. There's been some very fun visits, but, um, Nathan, Nathan was definitely up there. I do feel it like, felt... oh, go ahead. Sorry. It felt to me a little bit like he was, uh, just doing as opposed to teaching, So I'm not sure how useful the reward was. Although Ricard mentions after the fact that you know now they are equipped uh, with all of these survival skills they need, and maybe uh, Jeannie can do her own thing, and they can take care of themselves.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I don't know how much more time they have out there in terms of like, mm-hmm. you know, between it being a shortened game and it already being this, you know, episode four, but helpful. I do miss though, especially in those like early, early seasons like Vanuatu that you mentioned, this to me felt like a CBS employee than more than it did a <laughs> local. I know. And I, know. I sort of just miss like there were times in the past where the people got more from the person than just skills. They got to be around someone and th- you know, there were times I remember them like dancing together and I don't know, there was a, a cultural like moment. Pa- Palau. Yes. Palau.
0: And uh, what was the other one that took place? Wait, was Palau? Micronesia.
1: I think. But it was the same guy. There's someone named Da. Is his name Da? Is Da who I'm thinking of? He
0: was a star. Oh, Daw, I think, is Vanuatu, but maybe he's also Palau, and I I think he showed up two or three times.
1: Needless to say, I think that there was, like, (laughs) cultural moments that those uh, exchanges afforded that this felt a little bit more like business as usual. And again... I have to wonder, just like, you know you're going on to Survivor, you know it's being played on the same beach as always, these are all skills that you could ostensibly learn before coming, as opposed to the early seasons when you didn't know where you were going to be, the climate, the region, etc. and that there were skill sets that were very unique to the region. Again, just sort of some of the the ways in which I sort of miss old school versus new school, but I did think this was, this was a fun reward to see.
0: Yeah. I will say um, about the, you know, when you say that Nathan felt like a CBS employee, I, I had the same thought and then I had to sort of like check myself for a moment because I thought, you know, in Fiji, I mean, I don't know, I don't know the cultural landscape of Fiji, but I think that there's been a tradition in Survivor that when you uh, interact with Indigenous people, it is very, very traditional. Uh, they are in traditional dress. They are doing traditional things. And I thought, actually, it's quite refreshing if we get a native Fijian uh, to come on as, you know, a modern person, how Nathan is probably mm. living his life, just showing them what he has learned from his family and his tradition. So I actually thought it was like, you know, up, upon like reflecting on it, I thought, OK, actually, you know, I do think that... We haven't really got into this, but I think Survivor has a little bit of a problem with othering, indigeneity on the show, uh, and sort of romanticizing it uh, in in a way that is uh, it's not very twenty twenty one. It's very two thousand, uh, and so I think that actually, uh, upon reflection, it's like oh, this is this is actually maybe a very good thing to show the world. You know, indigenous people are you know living in the modern world they're not in the middle of the jungle in Fiji uh, as Survivor has shown us uh, for many many years now mm. so I think Nathan was a great addition I could see Nathan like recurring on the show I could see Nathan being if they're gonna stay in Fiji Nathan could be the reward
1: you know I, mean? <laughs> I love it I do just want to <laughs> mention though as because you're mentioning that I want to correct myself because we did a recent episode where we were talking about it was the episode centering on challenges that we love and just because you're bringing up sort of like the otherization of Survivor I mentioned the gross food challenge as being one of my favorites. It's a challenge that's not typically done anymore and even my framing of it, it is known colloquially as the gross food challenge. Mm. To call it gross food though is otherizing and it's just its kind of just rude. It's saying that these foods that are native to these places are somehow gross because they are not familiar to someone like me or someone or the majority of the people watching the show. That does not make something gross. So I even think there are subtle ways in frameworks that even someone like me uh, perpetuates that are problematic. So I just want to apologize for anyone out there. It's not a gross food challenge. It's sort of like the unusual foods, if you will. I really enjoy that. Delicacy yes. challenge. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. So at Luvu we go over to Luvu and we finally get some Erica screen time here uh, and it's not going great for Erica. She is having a conversation with Deshaun where she where she tells him you're the only one thinking you're the only other person thinking out here. It's me and you doing the thinking And so we essentially see her uh, targeting Sydney through a series of events you know we get these little snippets we've seen Sydney be, pretty reactive in the past few episodes in the moments that we do get Sydney content uh, I think I've described her as chaotic before she continues to be so you know she flips out after she can't start a fire and she goes to the beach and she cries you know like I I almost wish we got more from her in that moment because I want to know why she's crying you know like we see we see Heather cry at the challenge and it's shown as uh, you know she's she's at her wit's end. She's tried everything she can, and she just can't do it. And it's a moment of vulnerability where here Sydney's crying and she's uh, emotional and reactive, and and that may be the case. But I don't know. I didn't get to hear from Sydney in that moment. But regardless, Erica uses that to sit to tell Deshawn. You know Sydney's a loose cannon, and I really would like to target her when we finally go to Tribal Council. What do you think of Erica's? Uh, plan here and and our first sort of glimpse at strategic Erica.
1: I think, I mean, uh, we're not seeing the fact that there is a world in which it's like her and Deshawn are really close and it makes sense that she would choose him as the person to strategize with. I never think it's a smart move In a situation in which there's six people to buddy up with one person, unless you have a real social connection, which I didn't get the sense that they did, I think at the end of the day, because you need uh, at least three people, you want to make sure strategic conversations are happening with three people together. Again, the caveat being if you're like a Steven and JT or something and you have a real thing going, I think it's a little different. But for her to strategy talk with one person without ever mentioning, hey, let's pull in this person or this person, I didn't think it was smart strategically. And also, and this could have been the edit, but like he didn't seem like he was in it. It was one of those ones where he was kind of like, (laughs) I, the acting was very evident to me, but maybe we weren't seeing something or maybe, also there's a world in which Erica picked up on the fact that he was not privy to this, but I wanted that scene to end with Erica going to Sydney and being like, I threw out your name to Deshaun to see what he would say. And he actually like, he was kind of into it.
0: That would have been genius. Yeah, I hadn't considered that. I would have loved to see Erica do that. It was like she didn't take the strategy, you know, into further. the modern yeah, game. Exactly. Um, yeah, I you know, this is the read that I have on this because uh, we see Deshawn I'm sort of having to read between the lines cuz we just don't know enough about Luvu. But we see Deshawn go to Danny and the way he's telling Danny about it, he says, "Your girl Erica" And Danny seems really surprised. So that tells me that Danny has some kind of connection to Erica. The other conversation we see Deshawn having is with Sydney in the jungle where he's spilling the beans about Erica's you know, pitch to get her out. And when she's going through this list of people, because he says, guess who threw your name out? And she's going Heather, Nasir, Danny, and her last choice is Erica. And that tells me that she wouldn't suspect Erica throwing her name out. So I have to think that Erica has some kind of connection to both Danny and Sydney, and obviously Deshaun, and they could have been maybe a four-person loose alliance, you know, before ever going to a tribal council to figure out where everyone landed. So I sort of think that what we saw here was Erica shooting herself in the foot with, uh, you know, potential alliance that she had and coming out a little too strong and I don't know if I'm reading too far into this but you know during Erica's confessional we see this uh, she's talking about how she's a a lion dressed as a lamb and she's going to take her lamb suit off soon Uh, but in that moment we see the tribe uh, minus Heather in their boat and Erica's just like a little bobblehead at the front of the boat as the boat is capsizing yeah like this tribe this tribe is you know pitched as the strong unbeatable tribe but this little shot to to decide to include this shot yeah. of the tribe out there and their boat capsizing is like we usually only reserve that for absolute flop tribes
1: also they were so xanax about it because they were just like oops we capsized."
0: <laughs> yeah yeah they just like stayed on the boat yeah. they were going down with the ship yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, okay. So, oh, one more thing I want to say about this. Sydney's confessional. So Sydney, you know, I'll give her this. She gives a good confessional. Uh, She is a good narrator, but it's just like, not necessarily, I'm not her target audience, but she gives this confessional where she says, I'm the threat of threats. I'm savvy as hell. I'm good looking. I'm a physical threat. Wow. What is it about me? They hate me because they ain't me. And it's like, uh, no, Sydney, we hate you because you're a nightmare. So what I want for Sydney, (laughs) but I don't think we're going to get it, is I
1: want this journey for her because I think she's really primed to gain some humility and Mm -hmm. life experience through a Mm -hmm. show like this. Again, not sure if it's going to play out that way, but like I do (laughs) think we've been set up for what could be an interesting arc. But right now, she's got her pedal to the metal. And if we stay at that like speed and without any sort of like, you know, any sort of, you know, up or down at all, I think it will become cringe quickly. And I think it will wear on her cast members, uh, her tribe mates. Also, I think that like, I'm not seeing a lot of her, strategizing with people that she doesn't necessarily want to work with again it's like if you're in a tribe of six you need to have deals made with all five people
0: um, you need a plan b yeah and plan so C.
1: the sense is that she's and as you said it senses that she's with danny and Deshawn and erica and her mind and Nasir and heather on the way out but it's like she needs to work with Nasir. she needs to work with heather she you know so in that sense i kind of give erica credit for like you know They're clearly not in a position where they need to be voting, but she's going ahead and sort of trying to put a plan into motion. I'm just not sure if Sydney's the right target for her, being that, as you said, Sydney's the person that Erica had the last on her list of people that she thought were after her. But maybe that's smart on Erica's part, so who knows?
0: Yeah, yeah. Hey, before I forget, because uh, I like your optimism about Sydney's potential story arc of gaining humility and maybe a little uh, self-reflection, I just want to say that I have been keeping my eye on Sydney's social media, and her stories are more chaotic than her island life. Uh, I think after last week's episode, which she didn't even have a bad episode, uh, she was doing a story... like from the gym like on a treadmill or a bike or something sweaty and going everyone who's watching this show are fucking idiots like you none of you know anything i hate you all like it like toxic meanwhile
1: she's like audition for survivor season 43 um (laughs) Yeah. yeah i have to say like real briefly this is my first obviously time watching in real time and as a result it's my first time seeing players on social, who are currently in the game? That's like a very new experience for me, mm. and I'll just say it's not going well for me, and I'll leave it at that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting what they try to get away with because they're not allowed really to talk about anything. There was a time in Survivor's past where. I think they even encouraged survivors to like live tweet the episodes without giving anything away about future episodes, just to like react, not to give insight or actually what happened is this or you missed this conversation, but just react to the episode. And they really squashed that because I think people started to pick up on potential relationships and the way that people felt about each other post game. Uh, And so I don't think they're really allowed to do anything except maybe like retweet call, or stuff. call the fans uh, fucking idiots are, <laughs>
1: they're allowed yeah to do but
0: that. <laughs> people there i mean i think this group is uh pushing pushing the limits of their contract right now some of them uh, like but like genie for example silent silent on social queen uh, i think she posted something from like her viewing premiere or something but others are pushing it a little further so i'm curious to see how survivor reacts to that if they care at all i personally don't think they should care i think they should just let them tweet about the episode. Don't give spoilers away, but... Also, I don't uh, think it a is what it ton is.
1: of people are paying attention, so...
0: I no, think it's just me.
1: No, no, I am too. I didn't mean... It. No, 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 I didn't mean it that way, but I just I don't think it's something that they need to be um, particularly worried about.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, now that we've gotten to a point where what we're hearing is that they uh, reveal the winner on site this year, I think they're clearly less concerned about spoilers than they have been in the past, and I think, like, rightly so. I don't think people really uh this is not the cultural moment it once was no this is like to protect the secrecy
1: briefly 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 sidetracked but I've been like reading all about the new scream movies and like the lengths that they've gone to f- uh, the, al- the alternative scripts and shooting like multiple misleads and all of this stuff and I just was like people's obsession with the idea that like everything is is like re- around a reveal that the reveal is the most important part I have to say some of my best survivor viewing experiences have been going into seasons in which, in which I know the winner and then everything is just working back in my mind to sort of see how they edit the winner's arc together. That to me is just as interesting as sort of like the who will win of it all. But we just have this obsession built through shows like Survivor and so many other pieces of media where it's like, what's going to happen in the end? And I think there's something valuable about knowing the end and seeing how everything came together. Anyway, that's an aside. Yeah, yeah.
0: There, There was a time in history, I think, where if the Survivor winner was revealed somehow, uh, that Survivor was popular enough that that would be a news story that people would report on. But, you know, in the past 21 years, I think culture has uh, developed a very anti-spoiler attitude where uh, the the general population would quash that as soon as they see it. You right. would be shamed for posting a spoiler in public. Been there. Can people go out and seek out spoilers? Absolutely Uh, uh, And I don't even know what kind of spoilers exist for this season, if any. Uh, But, you know, Survivor's notoriously been spoiled in the past online, uh, but not in the mainstream. You would have to search it out. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think I think the world is sort of like living 15 to 20 years ago in terms of how uh, they're viewing uh, spoilers. Uh, I think I think we've taken care of it as a society. But that's an aside. So what we get from this Luvu moment is that Deshaun and Sydney and potentially Danny are like, we need to get rid of Erica. She is, uh, you know, the head of the snake. We need to chop her off uh, before she's able to do any kind of uh, scheming against Sydney or the rest of us because she's coming out too strong, which I think is a weird take. Uh, the sense I get is they are a little over eager here i think they're starting to get antsy about not going to tribal and i don't think that's the right approach to take you should be relieved that you're not going to tribal but these people are so pumped up to play survivor that they are starting to trip over themselves and so Deshaun, uh hatches this plan to throw the immunity challenge in order to get erica out so we go to the immunity challenge it's a it's a pretty standard challenge. Uh, they're collecting bags of logs from the water, uh, and then they are using those logs to push other logs through a track uh, to release a key, which will unlock some rings. And then they do like a parlor game, ring toss, uh, and the two tribes that win will win immunity. The challenge is kind of a mess. Uh, Danny and Deshaun are, in fact, trying to throw it, they're like dragging their feet through the whole challenge. Uh but it turns out that uh, Heather really had what Deshaun wants. He's not really <laughs> able to fail here. <laughs> uh, they can't get far enough behind Ua and Yasa to properly throw the challenge uh, because Xander's kind of slow on tying bags. Evie swimming the wrong way at one point. Uh, Deshaun, just like can't do it and so he actually resorts to tying extra knots in the bags when they're trying to untie them which i thought was like you know somewhat funny like it's a good strategy but dangerous if you got caught he tries to lose the key but erica like easily finds it and then he steps up to the ring toss in like a latch last ditch effort to throw the challenge and he's just like tossing the rings like a dummy before nasir just like steps up kicks him out of there and and nails it right so uh, Nasir was really a hero of this challenge although it was like narratively because Deshaun was giving confessionals during the challenge which is very rare we usually don't get confessionals during a challenge it's a very like big brother kind of thing to do uh, uh, because we were getting that narrative it was like I was unclear as a viewer whether we were supposed to be rooting for them to lose or not, And I guess it depends on where you fall in the Erica Sydney of it all. But I was, I was rooting for them to uh, not throw the challenge. Yeah. Which made, and the, so the whole thing ended up giving Deshaun kind of a dummy edit.
1: Yeah. Okay. Wait, I do want to point out your comment about the big brother edit. I, I too noticed that. And I was like, this is so strange. Not that it's like. Not that it, it's just strange in that they've never done it before and it felt an odd They've done it like once okay. or twice. But like, like definitely, they've dipped their toes into it. Definitely but it's not the norm. Jar- and then there was another instance in Tribal when Jeff said, Tell the audience how you're feeling and I'm used to the, I, and maybe I maybe I just but I always thought it was tell us I've never heard the audience mm. be referenced as the audience I, so there are just like these small changes that are happening again not saying they're unprecedented but just little t- like tweaks that they're making that I find interesting to know why okay but going back to the challenge here is my question for you I do not understand the logic of throwing the challenge because the only reason I think you want to throw a challenge is when you have someone who thinks they're in good that a bunch of people want out that is either not going to benefit them at the merge because they possibly might flip. Like there's some way in which bringing this person along is not going to help your end game. That's not the case with Erica. Erica actually feels ingratiated within the tribe. So can you just explain what you think their logic was?
0: I honestly think that it goes back to what I said a few minutes ago, that they are too overeager to play this game. They're way too pumped up. Right, I yeah, mean, yeah. Erica said, like, we're eight days in. I don't have a torch. Uh, I think I think they're just eager to get to tribal because they've uh, been conditioned to think it's what they're supposed to do. Right. And obviously, Deshaun, Danny, and Sydney feel confident that they could get Erica out. Otherwise, why would you throw the challenge? But I don't think it makes sense. I think it's a really bad idea. There are like a handful, a small handful of moments in survivor's history where throwing a challenge was a good idea. And usually that revolved around some kind of twist, like a tribe swap. Like I think about Africa, season three, uh, where T Bird, Frank, uh, and Silas go and join Ethan and Kim Jay's tribe and T-Bird very expertly sort of goes, look, Silas is kind of a nightmare and that our whole tribe is united with him and me and Frank are on the outs. And Ethan goes, great, we'll throw this challenge because it will protect our tribe members who swapped and we'll get Silas out, everybody's happy. That worked out, that worked out for T-Bird, that worked out for Ethan, like that is a perfect reason to throw a challenge. Uh, but otherwise, I don't think if you have a small tribe that is intact pre-merge and there's no sign of uh, a tribe swap, which by this point, the players should be recognizing that. Uh, probably a lot of them were expecting a tribe swap this episode and didn't get it. Drop the floor, uh, Now is on. not the time to be throwing a challenge, I think.
1: Yeah, but I, I completely agree. So I'm trying to understand... Obviously, these are not. These people have brains. They had some sense of what their strategy was behind this. Whether or not they're overplaying the game, which we're in alignment on, I I need to understand what they thought was the potential benefit to that move, and that was never explained. And I think it was to the downfall no. of either the editor, maybe they never explained. You know who knows? But it was just it. There's these moments that happen on Survivor sometimes when smart people make decisions that seem. To, like not rooted in logic and yeah. and that's always yeah. tricky because it's like okay yeah smart people do dumb things I get it but like explain to me your understanding of why your dumb thing was you perceived it to be the right thing to do
0: I don't even think that throwing the challenge to target Erica makes any sense. No. I could understand throwing the challenge to target Heather because she's a physical liability right. after the reward challenge. I could understand throwing to get rid of Nasir because uh, whatever, he's robbing people the wrong way around camp or something. Uh, I don't see it for getting rid of Erica. Erica is small. She is not a physical threat. She's probably not winning any immunities uh, post-merge. She is a puzzle queen, she is going to help them continue to win challenges uh that you know in that last leg of the challenge which is so so integral uh it it doesn't make sense to me and clearly if she has this connection with danny and deshawn that she feels comfortable enough uh, approaching them to get rid of sydney who she can tell that they're friendly with uh then surely they can talk her out of it or control her a little more i just the whole thing doesn't make sense. And it, it makes me feel like Deshaun is a bad player.
1: Yeah, I, I concur.
0: So that's that. So it, it doesn't matter because, you know, they are unable to throw the challenge because Nasir uh, steps in and says, hell no, we're not doing this. And I, I have to wonder whether Nasir felt a target on his back. You know, we've heard Sydney sort of flip-flop on Nasir and he I'm sure is feeling that and is maybe feeling being outside of the Sydney Deshaun Danny uh, relationship. I also wonder just getting back to the uh, dynamics of the Luvu tribe whether because clearly to me Danny Deshaun and Sydney are a tight 3. So and I'm speculating that Erica is the fourth in there but I'm not sure. And so I wonder whether if Erica gets wind of a plan to get rid of her, Can she pull in Heather and Nasir and make it a 3-3? And then we've got a real battle on our hands in Mm. which I would hope Erica could win out. So Um, what
1: I want for next week, there's a hair of a chance that this can happen. But if Yasa loses the immunity challenge next week, goes to Tribal, gets rid of Xander, and then we do the merge, we would go into the merge with, one tribe of six and two tribes of three, at which point the Mm. two tribes of three, which happened to have the majority of the players that I love would come together and you'd have a six, six. And I mean, obviously there's Mm. some extra votes in there and what have you that could really shake things up. But I think narratively, it would be really fascinating to see. We've never had a three tribe dynamic in which, you have one tribe so dominant and then two tribes that are less dominant but on equal footing. I just think it'd be a really exciting sort of move for the show. Again, a lot of things would have to happen to make that work, you know, but I would be, yeah. that would be a really fun uh, little twist.
0: Yeah, I, I like that now that you say that. I've been thinking they're going to merge smaller uh, just because preseason Jeff said that it's going to be small tribes throughout the season, which is why I didn't think there would be a tribe swap uh, and why. I feel like they might be merging later than 12, but honestly, who knows? Uh, But it would be really interesting. It would be interesting to see if Yasa and Uwa teamed up and were able to pull in like a Heather or an Erica to flip on LuVu. It would be great. I would love to see that. Like, those are all my favorite people. Uh, But anyways, so Luvu, we are still not seeing them go to tribal council. Yasa, Tiffany continues to be a challenge beast. I think you mentioned this earlier. Like, she's landing those rings just as well as anybody else. And it's just fun to not see,
1: like, a guy have to be the one to, like, close out a challenge. It's like, no. Tiffany doesn't need a man. She'll do it herself.
0: Exactly. (laughs) And Ua, JD can't land the ring. Uh, We see him, you know, shout money. And then Shan sort of, like... uh, uh, make fun of that in her confessional uh, and Ua is about to become a tribe of three. So we go to the Ua camp pre-tribal and everyone is kind of scrambling aside from Ricard. uh, We see Jeannie tell JD that she's going to play her shot in the dark and asks JD and Shan to vote Ricard. So Jeannie wants to target Ricard again uh, and she's threatening to play her shot in the dark. So this is the first time uh, we could see the shot in the dark. Did you think she was going to play it? No. Oh, see, I thought we could see it come into play finally. Uh, because to me, if if I was putting, just given the information that we were given, I thought Jeannie really feels on the outs here from the beginning of the episode uh, where she had her confrontation with her tribe to now where she, it's it's so clear that Shannon and Ricard are a duo and that JD is like probably with them that that why wouldn't you play it? But- Obviously, I think Jeannie gained more information than what we saw.
1: I do just want to point out, and pardon me if I'm jumping ahead, but I do think that this was an example of the show attempting to goop. And maybe I've just been mm-hmm. watching and mainlining too much Survivor. Mm-hmm. I knew what was going to happen from the moment they yeah. walked in. From the moment Jeannie was, it felt like a performance to me. And I just, I don't know, I felt mm-hmm. clued into what was playing, what was going to play out. And I'm not See, saying that uh, like, I'm like, so smart. I don't mean it that way at all. I'm saying that sometimes I think the effort to do the goop in a game when that's so goop heavy ends up ungooping itself.
0: Yeah, I think that any season prior to this one, I thought the same thing. But what made me question it was I thought maybe we actually are seeing everything and what's gonna happen is Jeannie plays her shot and gets safe. Right. Like that so they're showing us the full story yeah, I, in order to goop us with the shot in the dark.
1: I was just reminded though, because there's a one in six chance with the shot in the dark, it's mm-hmm. very rare that it's going to lead to anything dramatically interesting. That I just didn't think that there was enough high stakes in Jeannie, enough probability in her playing the dice from the from the uh entertainment standpoint of the show to yeah. make that something to like build up. Um, Um, I do just want to mention, though, Shan back at camp in this moment and the attempt to bring back the Shan theme song, the very pitchy Shan theme song. I do think (laughs) I had a really different reaction to seeing it come back this time where it didn't work. It did not work. It felt what she is singing and, and I'm being generous and using the term singing, but what she is, or the, the noises that are, that she's emitting are very different than the theme <laughs> music that they are playing over her. And so it yeah. felt like this effort to put, you know, the square and the round peg, whatever you, whatever you call it. Uh, and it just wasn't working with me too, because if she's going to have this theme that she sings, she needs to do it when she's scheming. And, like, I didn't think this was, like, a very, like, schemey moment. I guess looking back on it, in her mind, the scheme is that she was, you know, pulling pulling one on JD. Um, I think to have music like that and want it to, like, land the way that she and or the producers want it to land, I need it to be, like, bigger, like, more Black Widow,
0: like, Micronesia moves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it's a great song. Like, I don't think it's charting. Uh, yeah. It's not. I don't think we're it's selling not the a of copies. No, it's not the dragons. It's no dragons. Uh, but it, this is how I wish it played out. I agree with you. I think that because we got two confessionals with the song, I think it was a little heavy handed. What I really liked, though, is that when Sham puts on this uh, paranoia act and goes to JD in order to get his extra vote uh from him again, in order to ensure that he doesn't team up with Jeannie, and then they have suddenly three votes that they could vote out Ricardo Shan with. Uh, when she's she convinces him to give her the extra vote, and when she's putting it in her bag, she is humming the song in front of JD. And I think get rid of the confessionals where she's humming the song. You know, right. we get it. We've seen the one. And if we just saw her humming the song in that moment with JD, I think it would have been iconic would have been hilarious that she's oh my god yes I remember, I remember the song yes. and she said she was gonna do it when she's scheming and now she's scheming and she's doing it and this is tipping me off that JD might be going home tonight uh, I think that would have been really really clever because I did love that she did it in front of JD I completely agree it, I completely agree it's kind of like one of those if
1: you know you know moments where it's like mm-hmm. if we laid out a goose or what's the, we laid out a goose. What's the thing <laughs> a golden egg I don't even know sometimes I mean in these metaphors it's like we laid out a clue a few episodes ago, episodes ago if you caught it great you might have some intel as to what's about to play out if you didn't nbd um so yes, yes i completely agree that it's like there there was the they weren't able to like stick the landing there but there was something there i'm not anti the theme song again i think it's generous calling a theme song um i'm not anti the noise but i don't think it was deployed correctly through that so yes aligned
0: yeah yeah so uh, of course what happens is shan does get the extra vote they go to tribal uh, and JD is voted out three to one. Jeannie does not have to play her shot in the dark. And in fact, you know, getting to this point, I think Jeannie really was in on it because we we get this actually kind of sweet moment after JD leaves where the three of them turn to each other and hold hands. And it's like, oh, Jeannie is tighter with these two than I was ever led to believe.
1: Which... I mentioned, I think it was like in episode one or something, how I was expecting these two queer POCs to link up. Mm -hmm. It's like, when have we ever had two queer POCs on this show, let alone on the same tribe together. And especially with Ricard mentioning in his promo video, how important it was for him as a queer disabled POC to win this game. So I was surprised that they were not aligned and lo and behold, Um, I do want to mention something that Shan said during the tribal that bothered me. Okay. She said, quote, I don't know if Survivor has ever been so Survivor since season 41. I don't know what that means at all, but this effort, and it felt very scripted, I'll be honest. It felt like it was given to her. Um, these comments of like, and we got one, I think it was either last week or the week before about how, you know, this this season is harder than any other season before, there just seems to be this like whether conscious or maybe subconscious like effort to like minimize the show's past to make it seem like the show's only gotten better versus like always been good. Like this this effort to say it's like you, th- you know, you thought, you know, the game, this game's even wilder. And it's like, I just, as as someone who loves the early show so much um, and so much more, I just don't understand this effort to like, we let us like season 41 you don't need to like tell us how good season 41 is Mm -hmm. we're doing a fucking recap podcast every week that goes longer (laughs) than the show itself trust us we are in this with you so I just something about that line really rubbed me the wrong way and this overall sort of like meta nature of having the cast themselves and when I say having them because I do again I do feel like it's like fed to them in some way but just this effort to sort of like remind the viewer that like drop the four keep the one and I'm just like I get it I don't don't tell me this stop it
0: yeah and rant I thought you were going to I thought you were going to be worked up about how uh she told Jeff that they're all farting on each other at night
1: I that was a lot and it's funny because the real housewives of salt lake city is dealing with a similar plot where one of the housewives she calls it pooting p o o t where she farts <laughs> in the middle of conversations with the women so um farts are having a moment on reality television
0: Apparently so. Do you think that it was a good idea for Shan to cut JD here?
1: Yes. Absolutely. Why? Because I feel like JD was the kind of player that after a merge was going to link up with the bros. I just, you know, mm. we saw it play out during his walk um, previously when he went and got his, uh, ro- uh, excuse me, his extra extra vote at the risk or reward. Uh, I just feel like he's the kind, especially too because he's young and impressionable. I especially think when he links up with a Danny, I just think there's like a dad-like quality to Danny that might mm. play out or maybe older brother if you want to characterize it that way. But I could easily see him jump ship, I could easily see him being someone that spills the beans. And I think that uh, this was definitely, definitely the smart move.
0: I think she was in between a rock and a hard place because on one hand, she has JD who she has a connection with and who seems incredibly loyal to her to the point of giving her an advantage twice after promising never to give it to her again. Uh, and you know, I think she could probably keep him under her thumb but he was messy and all he ever talked about was how much he loves Survivor and how much he's always wanted to do this and how he has a checklist of things he wants to do on Survivor and you've got to imagine that on that checklist is flipping, right? That is one of the, the, the things to do on Survivor, make a big move and flip. Uh, so that must have played into it but on the other hand, she's got Jeannie who also a little bit messy. I mean, she threw that vote at Ricard when nobody else voted for Ricard, like maybe a little bit hard to predict uh, and sort of already has a problem with Shan and Ricard uh, following the Brad vote. So I, I don't think we saw enough of Jeannie's relationship to Shannon Ricard to really understand where she's falling in this. I think the best indication we have or the most positive one is that handhold at the end of tribal. but uh, but you know, we don't have any verbal indication that Jeannie is comfortable with these two and that she's going to be willing to stick with them post merge. right. Uh, so I think it's I think it's tricky. I sort of thought like, At first, I thought, I can't believe Shan did this. Uh, I I voted out JD, you know, my preseason winner pick, JD. (laughs) Gone, so what do I know? Uh, But I can't believe she did this. Surely she didn't do it just to secure an extra vote because it's not worth it. It's not worth losing a a loyal ally just to hold on to his advantage. Um, But also, yeah, I, I just you know, it, after the fact, I'm like, well, maybe, you know, maybe there's something to Jeannie that we haven't seen yet. I think surely there is. We just haven't seen much of Jeannie. And and maybe by keeping her, they've really tucked her under their wings now and she's going to be loyal to them as a result of that. Uh, maybe Jeannie's easier to read. That's the sense I get on Jeannie.
1: Yeah, the other thing I'm thinking about is if they were to go into the next tribal and lose and knock us down to a two, six, four. I do feel like the producers would have to scramble because at that point you have six people sitting out of challenges, Mm -hmm. which is just really uninteresting unless they're attempting to do, you know, what happened with Palau or not attempting unless they were to let that play out, which I don't see happening. I just, I guess from there, I guess one of the tricky things about playing this season in an interesting way is in not in I guess at this point assuming there's not going to be a swap if you're a player, right? um, How are you sort of are you is are you thinking about the merge? Do you have any sense of when the merge is and how much of your strategizing is thinking about who you're taking with you from your side into the merge? And is it about, mm-hmm. like, as you mentioned, are you thinking about the possibility of them flipping? Are you thinking strength, physical strength? Are you thinking what are other people, how is their social game going to be in terms of ingratiating? It's It's very curious.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think also, you know, if if Ua has to go to tribal again, it's kind of nice that they have Genie because clearly Ricard and Shan are tight. They are unbreakable at least right now at this moment in time. Uh, and I really like that. And it's, it's actually been quite interesting that Shan has been the person at the forefront of all of these moves and decisions, at least on TV, because uh, I think uh, just personally, I think it's not boding well for Shan. I think to come out this strong this early in the game, I feel like narratively it's setting her up to be uh, a shocking vote out some point post-merge potentially where maybe Ricard or somebody else decides it's time to step into the leadership role by cutting down the leader.
1: Maybe. I mean, I feel like I I really, I have no idea how other people are going to take to her because we've been so siphoned off to tribes right now. And because there's three tribes, like I have a hard time imagining like Shannon, Sydney interacting. It just feels like three very different worlds right now and three very different vibes. So I'm curious to see how Shannon is perceived by all of these other players. And I don't have a clear sense of that right now. Like I'm curious, mm-hmm. for instance, like an Evie and Shan who are both dominant strategic players. Like do they link up or do they see one another and say, that's the enemy?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Okay, Evan, I have a surprise before we wrap up. We have a voice memo. Um, So looking forward to the future, right? We didn't get a tribe swap uh, in this episode. I don't think it's coming. And uh, my prediction is that we're going to have a small merge. So we could have two or three more weeks uh, of this you know this pattern of three tribes uh uh competing and going to tribal and we could have tribes decimated so i have a voice memo about this and what could happen uh in that situation and this is from cassandra
2: i know as we look at season 41 we're all kind of wondering if there is going to be a swap and i know you touched you and evan touched on this in your last the recap from last week for episode three and um isn't it possible though that there's going to be a situation and this i think i can't remember what seasons this has happened but you you know like let's say yasas whittled down to two people and then each of those person drat joins one of the other two tribes like essentially like we don't swap but the three go into two tribes based on like however the numbers end up i think that's more likely than a straight up like swap and then we go into a merge and i'm totally forgetting but i i feel that i know they have done this sort of thing before but who knows this season is all over the place loving the podcast such a fan of it um listen to it every week keep going just wanted to share
0: i'm sure. so yeah i know hey everybody listening send a voice memo Actually, You'll be like, on the podcast pause we'd love the podcast. to react to what you have to say yes
1: pause the podcast right now <laughs> please send them to Sean and not me just because I have a hard time keeping up, but please send them to Sean. Please record us a voicemail, ask a question, offer your commentary. Like we are deeply, deeply interested in other people's opinions. So let us know. We're not looking for like your thoughts on our podcast. Like that's not what we're after. Give (laughs) us your thoughts on let's talk game.
0: Yeah. Uh, So to Cassandra's point, I think that that's actually a distinct possibility. Mm -hmm. Right. Like if Ua goes to tribal one more time, we lose one of those three. And then what? Right. So, uh, yes, this has happened in the past. So I'm thinking of Philippines and the Matsing tribe, right, where Denise and uh, Malcolm uh, get get dissolved into the other two tribes of course like it also sort of happened in Palau where uh, oolong was brought down to one member Stephanie who was then absorbed into the koror tribe uh, and and were merged so that's also a possibility we could see a tribe go down to one person that I I suppose that's possible uh, I think I think Cassandra's right I think this is like the most likely scenario uh, uh, I, most likely scenario in my mind is actually uh, a, a merge of all three tribes. But if we get to the point of a two-person tribe, I think that's the second most likely scenario.
1: But I also foresee next week Deshaun's tribe throwing the challenge. It's like, we got this set up this week. They were unable to pull it off because of the, na- the, the design of the challenge. But if you have a challenge next week in which... Yellow, Ua? I have trouble. Ua's yellow? Yellow, Yasa. Yellow, Yasa. Yeah. Oh, god. Blue's Ua. <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: Blue's blue. Oh my
1: god, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a historian. Uh, if you have a situation next week uh, in which the other, all three tribes are sort of actually neck and neck on the challenge as opposed to Yasa being so out of it, I feel like you have a a, a, a actual setup in which they can actually try and throw the challenge. They being the blue, yeah. whose name I forgot in the interim between now and when you just told me. So yeah. If
0: they're if they're still if they're still dead set on throwing it and getting rid of Erica, very well. But I hope that they come to their senses in the meantime.
1: Ua yasa and what's the what's the third?
0: Luvu. Luvu. Think love you. Love you. Okay. Yeah. Love you. Yas. Yeah. So so
1: Cassandra, love the question. <laughs> totally a uh, possibility. I guess my question is if Blue throws if if Luvu love you throws next week. And we get down to five, four, three. Do we then at that point just hold out to the merge? Is there the Mm possibility? Oh, if we get down to five. No, because that's still a four, three. Yeah, so many questions. Mm -hmm. See, this sort of like not knowing is the good kind of not knowing for Survivor Mm -hmm. versus the uh advantages and on uh, that sort of not knowing. So it's like I like like holding out on a merge or a swap or all of this. This is fun speculation. Like I'm pro this mm-hmm. for the game. This to me is like a fun twist which is like to not twist the twist. That to me is like yeah. good game design. Um I think Mike White might approve, but challenges not so much. Or excuse me, advantages not so much. Curious too, are we done with the advantages?
0: Well, if this is the thing. Look, I don't think we're done with advantages. I don't think the show is ever going to be done. Uh, so I think we're going to see plenty more. Uh, if not pre-merge, then certainly post-merge. There's going to be advantages floating around, but look, I just want, Hey, Survivor, please look at this episode. You have a great, great episode. Narratively. I thought it was really interesting. We got exactly what we wanted from all the different tribes. We got all the content we needed and, zero advantages played into it. Besides Shan taking the extra vote, no advantages came into play. And look, you've got a great episode. You just like put some faith in the format of your show and your cast and let it be what it is. It's it's an excellent episode of TV. And I do and just it, want and to say it did not rely on twists.
1: Agreed. And I do just want to say through this conversation right now, I have turned a corner and I am more pro about this episode. This is this is the beauty of art right but yeah i think i ultimately middled on it and sometimes you know it can be like i had a few drinks last night i was tired what have you (laughs) now that we've discussed it and sort of broken it down i feel especially comparing this episode to last week's episode which i felt so meh about the podcast because i felt so meh about the episode i feel good Mm -hmm. about this episode because i feel like we've broken it down in a way that i better understand it through you know, hearing your perspective and and sort of laying it all out there. So I just want to not correct because that was my true feelings at the beginning, but I've come around and I'm feeling better about this episode.
0: Good, good. Okay, well, let's wrap it up here unless there's anything else you want to say. No,
1: just again, just re-encouraging people to drop those voice memos.
0: Yes, please. We want to talk to you. Okay, so thank you so much. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for listening. Uh, This is uh, not quite twice the amount uh, of time that the actual episode was but uh, we're getting there so we're going to wrap this up uh next wednesday you are going to be getting a very exciting episode an interview with a former player uh it's it's a it's a fun one and it's a real legend of the show and then we will be back on thursday with the recap of episode five so thank you so much for listening and uh, see you next week Bye. Bye.